0: I want to welcome you to the Arrow Heights Podcast, broadcasting live from Arrow Heights Baptist Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. My name is Ryan
1: Smith. My name is Nathan Copeland, and I'm Joshua White. How are we doing, y'all? Doing well. Doing good. Did you see that football game last night? Well, what a football game! You watched it? I did. Wow, I did. We drove wow. home over the course of the first, like the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, and then watched mm-hmm. the last, last fourth, last of the fourth quarter and overtime. Mm-hmm at home, and it was, it was awesome. It was it's a great. good game. It was I'm good. proud of you for watching. I mean, well, I, I'm, I'm all about the big games, you know, <laughs> World <laughs> Series, Super Bowl, World Cup. I mean, I'll watch all of those. Yeah. You know? It's, okay. those those are the ones to watch, right? Those are the ones that matter. Yeah. It was something. Yeah. It was something. What? Can and grad, Andy Reid, I was trying issues.
2: to explain to my younger son who fell asleep, you know, what they did on that last play. Mm. And I was just amazed by Travis Kelsey and by Andy Reid. And, uh, that that guy didn't drop the ball
0: because he's standing there wide open. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's, he said that he blacked out. Yeah, like he did. As soon as he got it, <laughs> which I, can, can you imagine the pressure oh. of that situation?
2: Here it is, the yeah. whole season, the yeah. whole yeah.
0: dynasty. If I
2: catch this one ball <laughs> wide open, no excuse. Yeah,
1: man. Yeah, no, yeah. that was crazy. I, you know, it was like it, it was all about the. Kickers last yeah. night. I mean, they kept going back and forth on these. I mean, record we get like two different records. Yeah. <laughs> One they broke the record and they broke the record again uh for field goal attempts. that's was pretty yeah. awesome. 57 yards. Is that right? I think so. Are you impressed that I remember all Very this? Very impressed. Like, yeah? yeah. My favorite play of the night, 49ers. Like, kid you not, the the play where he lateraled it back mm-hmm. and then moved over. I was like, man, that was awesome. Like it was great. It was it's a risky. great play. Yeah, it was risky. risky. But it was cool. It worked out. It's
2: amazing that ball not get picked off, you know, Mm -hmm. pick six situation. Mm -hmm. They just had just enough people there to kind of divert the guy, and he caught it, and yeah, it was something.
1: Yeah, it was. Did you have a favorite commercial? Easy. Yeah.
2: Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, (laughs) the dunkings. (laughs) Dunkings.
1: Uh, Jennifer
2: Lopez was, like, producing a record. That was hilarious tom brady standing there playing <laughs>
1: keyboards <laughs> we we talked about this <laughs> tom
0: brady and dan marino were in like every commercial yeah, they,
1: they were yeah. yeah it was pretty it was pretty great yeah there's some good ones yeah yep. not none that just shine out like like years past but i think it was good it's cool well enough about football because who cares about football it's baseball season now baby it is. Go yeah, rangers. so that's right uh so uh go cards cards go shohei otani <laughs> <laughs> oh anyways maybe i should say
0: world champion mm-hmm. reigning world champion texas rangers yeah. just to throw that
1: there you go in there. Oh, it works it works Cool. Questions. We have two questions today. We're going to dive in. Um, Acts 13.48 is the first one that we're going to uh, talk about or centers around that. Acts 13.48 says this, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. As many as were at- appointed to eternal life believe. And the question from the texture just says, please explain. <laughs> it's simple enough, right? Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. We'll uh, we'll do our mm-hmm. best.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this is this is a good opportunity to look at uh, some some foundational principles of what are called hermeneutics, or studying the scriptures. So, really, kind of that verse. Or that subsection, whoever, those who are appointed for eternal life believe, kind of, you think, okay, well, the, the important word there, the word that's sticking out is appointed. Uh, therefore, what does that word appointed mean? So you can look up, I, I think, blueletterbible.org is a wonderful website that anyone can go to and you click through the. Uh, through the verse, and you can get the original Greek word. You find out that it's uh, the word is tasso. And what does what does tasso mean? Well, uh, it basically means appointed. Uh, Imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. D- directed or uh, you know uh, ordained. Ordained. Yeah. Th- all, all sorts of good good thesaurus words. But then, what's helpful is you can look at the ways that it is used throughout the Scripture, but particularly you want to go back and look at Acts. So how is Luke using this term as he's writing Acts? A couple other verses uh, with that word in it. Uh, Acts 12.21, On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes. Uh, Acts uh, 10.42, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. Acts 14.23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, Acts 15.2, and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem. There are plenty of others, uh, and you can see that this is a word that Luke uses a lot in Acts. So this is not just kind of a a one-off term. And this term is used for a purposeful and direct uh, assignment or um, any of those other wonderful thesaurus words that we used. It, it's it's a purposeful and knowing uh, assignment. So therefore, if you look at the verse, all who were appointed for eternal life believe. Those who were um, selected... Those who were determined, those who were uh, ordained for salvation, believed. Now, does that bring up a whole host of questions <laughs> and a further conversation? Which is, I'm sure, what the texter was hoping that we would that we would get into. Which we we, we might still. Um, but but yeah, that brings up a lot of a lot of questions. It is does God just appoint people for? Uh, salvation uh, this is one of those verses that you would certainly have to uh, look at and wrestle with in that discussion, but you don't want to say that it's certain it's not there. Uh, certainly that's the word that Luke has used that word before he continues to use it and that's what the verse says now there are certain certainly other verses you can go to as as well but yeah.
2: um, there are uh, different understandings of that verse. As you can imagine, people try to put these things together, and when you do, you have to sort of, like you said, take this verse in relation to other verses. That's another good sort of hermeneutical principle. Um, Scripture interprets Scripture, and so your understanding of how God uh, works in the gospel to save sinners is going to come into play here. Um, Some people believe I mean, obviously, I think in the context here, not everyone believed the message. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it says back in verse was it 46, it says, um, Paul and Barnabas spoke out loud uh, boldly, probably loudly too, saying, uh, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Mm. So there were certain Jews who... Of their own accord, right? Of their own free will, we could say, they judged themselves unworthy. Why? Because they didn't believe the message. They rejected the message. So you know, certainly nothing in this context, nothing in the verse there would say, Well, it doesn't matter if you believe or not. You're just appointed somehow. No, you 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 must believe the message. That is an imperative, right? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Um, so so some believed, some did not believe, but then some people look at this verse, some were appointed, right? And they say, well, some Gentiles, this is one view, some Gentiles believed because of the good news that was preached included them, right? So in other words, this, the point being made is not so much about who believed, but the message they believed, right? And what motivated them to believe, what convinced them to believe. It's that the Gentiles are included, in these promises. Well, yeah, there may be truth there. Um, Some people think that this verse, is kind of another view, uh, uh, is that some Gentiles believed because they had already put their faith in the God of the Old Testament. Okay, That is a a view. Uh, In this interpretation, the verse is essentially talking about the timing of their belief and what it was that they heard that they believed. In other words, they were already Old Covenant believers, so to speak, God-fearing people, Right? But now they believe the new covenant message that is fulfilled in Christ. So they were appointed to eternal life already, and they believe the message that they heard about Christ. Right, Because old covenant believers were, were saved in the same way. They just believed in the the, the, the Savior who was coming. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's probably the best interpretation here, uh, but again, there's truth in that too. I think most likely the verse is saying what it says. This is a verse about God's grace in the gospel. God's sovereignty in saving sinners, right? Because apart from God doing something, we're all judging ourselves unworthy. That's just the gospel message. You are unworthy. You judge yourself. You deem yourself unworthy by your unbelief, by your sin, by your rebellion against God. But God does something in his uh, grace from, from all eternity. He appoints particular sinners unto eternal life. Why? We we don't understand. That's the mystery of His amazing grace, that He saves sinners. I, I heard a story a long time ago about this. Um, I think it might have been Tim Keller talking about walking on a beach, and they were talking to this girl who, you know, was a Christian, and but she objected to kind of this, this teaching of, like, God saves sinners. No, it's up to me, it's up to my 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 free choice, right? Well, obviously we have a choice we have to make, but he was trying to say to her, "Well, you understand, um, you you have a roommate, for example, who does not believe that had come up in conversation." He said, "Why do you believe and your roommate doesn't?" He said, "Well, because I chose to." Okay, well, why did you choose to, but your roommate did not choose to? You shared the gospel with her. And said, Well, you know, I heard it and I understood it and and I just I really believe that it was for me. Well, why did you hear it and understand it and believe it was for you? And she didn't, right? Just kind of continuing to press. And eventually the girl said, Well, God did something in my heart. He opened my eyes to see my need. He he changed my heart. He gave me new life. That's just A gracious gospel, right? That's just the message of Christianity, that we don't deserve it. We weren't even necessarily looking for it. But if we were looking for it, it's because God is drawing us in. God is at work through all kinds of means to save sinners by his grace and ultimately just for his glory. I think that's what the the verse really means. And again, when you talk about God saving us by his grace, not by anything good we do, not by anything in us, that's just New Testament Christianity. Like Titus 3, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but because of his mercy, because of his washing us by by regeneration through the gospel, giving us new life. So I think that's what that verse is about. It's just describing, in a very shorthand way, God saves sinners.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, I think you can, in approaching this discussion and and this this argument, I think it's helpful to hold it open handed mm-hmm. and hold it in balance and intention, um, because there are going to be sections of the scripture, no matter where you plant your flag in this in this discussion, so to speak, there are going to be sections of scripture that pull on it, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Let those sections of scripture pull on your view of soteriology or the, the the doctrine of salvation and that's okay as long as you are submitting it to the word and submitting your mind and your thoughts and your theology and all of these things to god and and his and his ways i, mean, I think at the bare minimum what you could say for that verse that probably everyone would agree is not one person who was going to be saved that day was not saved.
1: Yeah.
2: Right?
0: I don't know if I used that. The, the, the yeah. Every, say it another way. Every single person that was going to be saved that day was saved. Yeah. That's right. And there is an open-handed way uh, for, for people, and I, I know, I, and I, I address it this way because we have lots of these discussions, mm-hmm. and they're good discussions. They're wonderful discussions, and I think they can be helpful. This particular uh, passage is one that pulls a certain direction. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's there. You know, Um, it's okay to be, to let, to let that pull and it's okay to let others pull. Yeah. Well, as you said there,
2: I mean, I I think you're right. It's like uh, the word ordained, right? The word appointed. God, God certainly knew who was going to be saved that day. And if that's true, if God foreknew it because God is God, because he knows the end from the beginning, because he's, he's outside of, of, of time and space, he's not bound by time and space like we are he's god he rules over all time and all all space he is god certainly if he knew then in some sense right he has ordained he has he has appointed that this is what is going to happen and and i think you're right also with that tension because as I, as i just pointed out in verse 46 if we were going to preach this passage right <laughs> we would preach that kind of going the other direction right we would say Uh, I'm I'm trying to look at verse 46. Um, uh, Don't thrust it aside. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Don't thrust this message aside. Don't judge yourself unworthy of eternal life. You need eternal life, right? You are under a condemnation of death. Choose Christ. Run to him. Flee to him, right? (laughs) Uh, Belong to him. And then on the other hand, you say, when you do, you understand God is at work in you. You can't take credit for that yourself. That's just again the good news of the gospel that though we don't deserve it, God is at work to save us. There's a story. It was you know it's it's a it's credited to Spurgeon, of course. Mm-hmm. If it's not Spurgeon. It's it's Lewis or maybe Martin Luther. One of those three said it right. So this is a Spurgeon quote where he says, you know, when you enter the gates of heaven, if you look up at that gate, it's going to say, "Whosoever will may come." But once you get into that celestial city and you turn and look around, you're going to look back and see that gate. It's going to say, all who were appointed unto eternal life before the foundation of the world. You know? mm-hmm. And you go, yeah, that, that's kind of about right. You know, Whosoever will may come. The invitation goes out to all the earth, to every man and woman and child. But if you respond in faith, you believe that message, you know it is by grace we are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So again, all glory goes to God. He doesn't share his glory with sinners who are just you know, smart enough or spiritual enough to, to believe it. No, it's his grace from beginning to end.
1: Um, I think there's such beauty in that tension too. Like, and, and you didn't you didn't finish that verse. It's so that no one may boast. Yeah, that's right. You, you know, and, and so we boast in the Lord. Like we boast in what He's doing. You know, we talked Wednesday night. Um, whenever I was teaching that passage in First Peter, He causes us to be born again mm-hmm. to eternal life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I and yet we still there's there is still a, a responsibility side. We mm-hmm. we still carry the burden of responsibility. Should we not choose? Uh, to follow him. And so the the tension is beautiful. And I don't know why people like, I get wanting to like lock in and say it's one way or the other. And I'm not sure what the motivation is for somebody to want to be on one side or the other of that conversation, but scripture speaks to both. And I think that's incredible because it, I mean, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't Mm -hmm. understand that. You know, it it doesn't make sense that, that uh, Christ would die for me, a sinner. And he calls me into eternal life. Um, and I submit and follow him because of that, and that's that's awesome, right? Because if it's up to me, dang on I'm going to lose. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to screw it up. That's just the reality. You can ask my wife. <laughs> I'm going to screw it up. Uh, thank God for His grace, man. Thank you mm-hmm. for His grace.
0: I think that's a, a really helpful way that you framed that, Nathan. Really, really good, because that's that's often often a question. You know uh, that people might ask about the, about the church, uh, or really, really in, any church, and we are going to champion God's sovereignty mm-hmm. to the uh, utmost. We are, you know, we, we're we're jumping off that cliff, uh, no no doubt. If ever it comes down to God's sovereignty versus what man can accomplish or man's will, I'm going with God's sovereignty every time. Every time. But the question that I really appreciate you framing that way is how would we preach this text? Mm. We're not going to gloss over Peter's strong draw and plea for the gospel and to be on mission for uh, crying out for people to come to resurrected life. Um, We wouldn't ever skip over that for the sake of getting to the word appointed. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're also never going to skip over the word appointed because we are, you know, landing so much on the plea, we are going to give a strong plea according to the scriptures for people to be saved by grace through faith.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Next question. Uh, why do you guys? I assume he's talking to you guys. Whoever, the, whoever this person is, he/she. Uh, why do you guys think Peter st- struck Malchus with a sword? Struck Malchus with the sword. And that's some qualifiers at the end. Uh, was he trying to prove that to Jesus that, and to everyone that he wasn't going to deny Jesus, even though he did end up denying Jesus? Or was it a genuine love for his king? And it seems odd, and this is still the person texting, seems odd that he was brave enough to do this, but not brave enough to be killed with Jesus.
0: Great, Great question. And that's probably one that only Peter can answer. And, uh, Lord willing, hopefully one that you'll be able to ask him someday. Mm -hmm. But I I think one reason is because it's completely in line with Peter's character. And the reason I say that is uh, I will point to a previous uh, example of what we know well from Peter. Jesus is walking across the water on the lake, and Peter says... Hey, ask me to come out. I'm gonna walk on that water to you. You know, Peter kind of has this big moment mentality, and he's like kind of an adrenaline junkie. (laughs) I'm kind of, you know, he's like, I'm gonna be first. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do it. But once he gets out on the water, even after he's been walking on it, he starts to think about it. And as soon as the adrenaline fades. And the the kind of the the, the consequential realities of what he's doing enter into his mind, he starts to sink.
1: I've made a huge mistake. (laughs) Yeah, like what?
0: (laughs) What am I doing? And so I, I think, I think, and we all, we all know these people. Some of us are these people. I'm sure at times I'm this person. Uh, Get real excited to jump in, uh, the big, the bold, Hmm. but in 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 the quiet in the, uh, as more questions, as more thoughts come in, uh, it, it becomes m- much more frightening or r- real, mm. so to speak. So I, I, mean, I, th- I think Peter was trying to take him down. <laughs> and He was like, I will end this mm. right here, right now. Mm-hmm. And I think Peter saw that as his role and responsibility because he didn't, he knew Jesus wasn't going to do it, but they had earlier had a discussion mm-hmm. about swords. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I, I think he was trying to take him, take off his head. I thought it was
2: hilarious in the sermon where you pointed out that John says, Yeah, it was Peter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Peter's like, Some guy, who <laughs> <laughs> knows? Let's not point fingers. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind
2: of reminded me of like when John does the similar thing about their racing, you know, to the, the, to the tomb and, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, he got there first. But then Peter came and just kind of bumbled in, you know. But yeah, he, he points out that he beat him <laughs> to the to the tomb. Uh, John and Peter it must have been an interesting uh, relationship yeah, there. But yeah. um, do you think also it could be that Peter is hanging on to this this notion that Jesus is still going to be that kind of military Messiah that they're that they're expecting that they're hoping for. Uh, Here's here's the moment when Jesus is finally going to beat people up, you know, and be that superhero guy that they thought he should be or thought he would be. And and Peter's just again uh playing that part, kind of kind of uh uh being being in that role of uh, striking the match, you know, uh kicking off the the rebellion, so to speak. Do you think that might be part of
0: what's happening there? Very well could have been. I I I tend to lean more towards Peter just reacted. Yeah, you know, uh, he loved Jesus. Jesus was in trouble. He saw no way out. Which, you know, what what's what's the option? Here, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, other than fighting fire with fire. Mm-hmm. And I I think uh, whether it was to to bring some of that about or whether it was just to hey, I'm I'm going to do what I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I th- I think either one certainly ap- applies, but it's. It is interesting because we find ourselves in those same situations, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times we see Mm -hmm. the exact same thing on social media. Uh, Someone will say something about Jesus Mm -hmm. or the church, and you get people who jump forward Mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm going to give you two sentences that are really crass and brash because I think that's what's going to convert you and show you the love of Christ. Mm -hmm. It has zero effect. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do any good but his honor has been offended,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, therefore I need to enter into the fray, when that's not the way to do it. No. Not at all. Uh, but those same people who are typing and writing those things would be much less inclined to say them face-to-face. Face-to-face,
1: that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and
0: uh, that's, that's common. We all do it. I, I just think Peter would have loved Facebook
1: oh absolutely it's the ultimate Peter platform oh yeah <laughs> it's totally <laughs> yeah. oh man I, I love it and I love I love just this dynamic of Peter and just his personality and that comes out because I mean I, I tend to I probably lean Towards Peter, <laughs> you know, I'm like, heck yeah, man! You got a sword, cut that guy's head off. <laughs> I'm sorry you missed, you know. I just and, and so I just love it. And, uh, I think uh, I think in a lot of ways, uh, the reason he did it is for us to have that example to talk about, you know. Just uh, say, hey, this guy screwed up, you know, and he he lashed out trying to protect uh, the guy he was following, in it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was rebuked for it. But it's uh, you think
2: you think Peter may have looked a bit like Jason Kelsey, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Maybe. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could definitely see that. Well, ultimately here, this is this is a lack of faith mm-hmm. on Peter's fault. You know, in Matthew, which I appreciate the way you brought in some of these parallel accounts just to kind of shed more light on what's happening here. But Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the Scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Mm -hmm. almost like saying to Peter, like, dude, do you not understand the Bible? Do you not believe God's Word? Of course, Peter was ignorant of God's Word. He couldn't see it. He did not have faith to believe what God's Word actually said about the Messiah and how this was going to unfold. But Jesus just continues to appeal to the Scriptures, right? And so that's a a lesson for us right there as well. When we don't seem to understand, uh, I mean, our first... Kind of reaction should be, let me see again what has God said here. What is God saying to us through His Word? Because His Word is going to be uh, sufficient to guide us in whatever situation we find ourselves. Even if um, the specific details of our particular question or problem are not addressed uh, directly, God's Word is going to give us the right perspective. You know, it reminds me of Luke twenty-four when He says, "Slow of heart," and you know, to believe all. That the prophets have spoken, it's almost like he's saying, "You should see this. You should have known that this is exactly how this is going to play out because it's written in black and white in the Bible, right?" So anyway, that's a lesson as well. Is it this is a moment of uh, weakness for Peter, not strength? Uh, you know, maybe physical kind of courage, but at the end of the day, uh, he did not believe God's word, and therefore he was he was weak. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was on shaky ground.
1: And yet I love even just. Moving into Acts, you know, Peter's preaching sermons, you know, and and front runner of the church and leading out in that way. And so it's just cool. And I know we'll get there, but the the way that the Lord redeems uh, those those sinful acts of of lack of faith or selfishness, I Mm -hmm. think, is is pretty awesome. So, amen. Cool.
0: Yeah. And I heard some feedback from one of our small groups that was discussing the the previous sermon. And I, I thought this was really insightful. They said, when the storm, the f- physical storm, was happening on uh, the Sea of Galilee, all the disciples were worked up, and Jesus was asleep. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when a spiritual storm was taking place, Jesus was all worked up, and all the disciples mm. were, as- were asleep. Mm. And so it's kind of that way that we approach physical versus spiritual realities. You know, All, all mm-hmm. Peter saw— were the swords and clubs?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was it. Uh, what Jesus was looking at was God the Father. Mm. You know, at, at any moment, you know this this is completely under control. When it didn't seem that way, and so I, I think that was a great encouragement to me, and I hope it is to our, our listeners as well. That sometimes we look at the numbers and we look at these physical realities, and they're mm-hmm. so big that they make us forget that there's something spiritually going on here. Mm. And what's spiritually going on is completely
1: under control. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Awesome. Sweet. You got anything else?
2: Well, no. He's just reminding me of. Um, and, and by the way, I wish <laughs> I wish I'd have thought of that insight before I preached the sermon. <laughs> what if there's a way to kind of get the sermon study guide out there and then get feedback and then you know include all those great insights? We can record it. I'll <laughs> tag it in. into the. the <laughs> um, I just think about what. Um, just along those lines, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, thinking about the eternal things are the only things that ultimately matter, right? All, all that matters is that which is eternal, is what uh, I think Amy Carmichael said. But this verse so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. but the things that are unseen are eternal. Uh, a helpful reminder that the most important and uh, consequential and long-lasting eternal things that are happening around us at any given moment are not the things that we can necessarily
1: see with our physical eyes.
2: They are spiritual realities.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Sweet. Well, that's a great note to end on. We've had a couple of long podcasts the last few weeks, and we're going to leave you with a little bit of shorter ones. So if you've got more questions, we would love to answer them. 918-280-9628 is the number. And we'll talk to you next time on the Arrow Heights Podcast.